to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show, and we are broadcasting live from the Boss Hog Radio Network studios in Florida. Hey, uh, I want to give a, uh, a shout out to all of our panelists here, guys. If you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show, we have attorney Ken Afianco and attorney Anthony ben- Bandero, and we also have Corporal David D. Gresser. So thanks, guys, for being on the show. Appreciate it. Um, also, a shout out to our sponsors, Motion DSP, Gulls, GunLearn.com, MyMedicare.live. We are fueled by Bang Energy. Also, a shout out to uh, Brian Burns for the free press. And hey, big shout out to Ray Dietrich, Red Voice Media. We are doing a live stream to three of their Facebook pages, Thin Blue Liners, We Support Police, and Thin Blue Line Show. That's a million uh, a million followers right there. So thanks uh, to those guys for giving us your lunch hour. We're going to try to make you guys the resident experts on whatever's going on locally and the, well, actually across the country, the news and the issues from a law enforcement perspective. So you guys should be pretty much, you know, spot on after this show. Uh, and thanks for donating your, your lunch hour uh, to us to help make that happen. Um, so let's go ahead and, and, you know, start off with the main topic. And for our listeners that aren't used to the show, main topics are uh, normally a little bit deeper than the other topics. We have updates and some other stories that have like a video component in them. But on this one, it's on policetribune.com uh, and it's breaking news. Um, so we have a uh, Missouri AG that follows through on a vow to fire a St. Louis Circuit Attorney, Kim Gardner. So Attorney General Andrew Bailey followed through on a promise to fire St. Louis uh, Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner if she did not agree to resign from office by noon on Thursday, which, of course, was yesterday. Here's a quote saying that it is time for the circuit attorney to go and for the rule of law and justice to prevail. That's what Bailey said on Wednesday, according to KSDK. As attorney general, I want to protect the people of St. Louis, and that includes protecting victims of crime and finding justice for them. Instead of protecting victims, circuit attorney Kim Gardner is creating them. Wow, creating victims instead of protecting them. Goes on to say, uh, Bailey provided St. Louis uh, circuit attorney Kim Gardner with an ultimatum ultimatum late on Wednesday, uh, warning her that he would begin the process of removing her from her prosecutorial role if she did not resign by 12 p.m. the following day, according to the KMOV. The Missouri attorney general delivered that promise uh, on, uh, I guess, at 12.01 on Thursday, according to the KSDK. So Bailey said that he filed a petition, uh, quote, warrant her, and I guess you attorneys can explain that, with the 22nd Judicial Circuit Court that the matter is currently pending. The petition accuses Gardner of failing to prosecute cases that are pending in her jurisdiction, failing to communicate with victims, and failing to charge new cases referred to her by the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department. And these three behaviors constitute a continued pattern of failure to discharge her duties in office and represent uh, neglect under the statutes and warrant removal. Bailey told reporters during an afternoon press conference on Thursday, and he also said that at the end of the day, this is about the rule of law and about justice. So there you have it. There's some other stuff on here about demands and uh, how this all started with uh, Janae Edmondson, a 17-year-old volleyball player from Tennessee that was visiting St. Louis for a volleyball tournament. There's a track incident near the Dome of uh, America Center on February the 18th. So that kind of got the ball rolling and all this stuff. But um, guys, uh, anybody want to dumb this down for us and also comment on this uh, on this AG? It's a, uh, I think it's an interesting story. We don't have any. Mm, no. David? I was I was waiting to see if, if any, either one of the attorneys wanted in first, but I'll go. Um, you know that it's an interesting it's an interesting precedent that you're starting to see. Uh, we talked before about the pendulum that that swings back and forth between how the public perception is of uh, everything from everyone up and down the the public safety ladder, from police officers up to the elected officials that are in charge of prosecuting these crimes. 
And we saw over the last several years now, the pendulum had swung back to the side where the less effective, the George Soros funded, the whatever you want to describe them type of prosecutors were taking control of several jurisdictions. We had the governor of Florida remove a, a, a state attorney here in the, 13, in the 13th circuit for not for saying he wasn't going to do his job, regardless of the politics behind it. Now you have another one here. So you're starting to see a, a, an interesting pushback as that pendulum is beginning, beginning, beginning to swing back in the other direction as the public starts to go, wait a minute, this silly garbage that I thought wasn't going to affect me that I'm not going to pay attention to, well, now it's affecting me. So you're starting to see that pushback. Interesting, interestingly enough, we talked about a case last week, Chip, you and I did, a Pentagon officer uh, off duty got into a shooting in the parking lot of his condominium. He caught, um, I think there was three guys in a car that had pulled in there that admitted, one guy admitted they were there to break into cars and were breaking into cars. He confronts them. They flee in a car. He shoots and kills two of them in the car as they are fleeing. We looked at the video and I said then, guys, he's done. He's cooked. I mean, this was an absolutely unjustified shooting from what we saw on the video. Not any other information, not what he said, not what he saw, any of that sort of stuff. We didn't have any testimony from him on the video. That's exactly what the prosecution uh, focused on. And yet, breaking news, mistrial. The jury in that case was was deadlocked. Now, it didn't go into detail about how many was it, you know, how many jurors didn't want to find him guilty if it was just one person as a holdout, what it was. No idea. But you want to talk about pushback. You want to talk about a citizen going, you know what, uh, what what uh, the de-escalator said on that show, I'm sick of these scumbags. They got what they deserved. And that's all you need is one juror to, to do that and cross their arms and go, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to vote guilty. And, and it's done. Now, they're going to try him again and they'll get the right jury and they'll find him guilty. But uh, it's one of those things where you start seeing this stuff. And I'm not a fan of that. Don't get me wrong. I do not want people to swing so far back in the opposite direction that they start making decisions and doing things that are improper. I want the justice system to work the way the way that it's supposed to work, the way that we know that it works. But that being said, you're starting to see these things happen as the pushback starts to gain momentum. It's very interesting. Now the legal guys can take over and explain what's going on in St. Louis. Good, good point, Corporal. And, and I know that uh, even uh, Ron DeSantis, I think he's the one that removed uh, Scott Israel, the sheriff down in Broward County as well. So, uh, so we've, so, so yeah, we're seeing whether you call them DAs or, you know, state attorneys or whatever, though, it's, it's interesting, the, especially these, these Soros funded uh, woke prosecutors, for lack of a better term, um, you know, that are, that are taking the hit. So um, anybody else wants to weigh in on this? And if not, guys, we can roll to the next topic. So, okay. All right. So, Let's go to the next one then. And I, it's one that I didn't, I was going to cover yesterday. And, you know, we're broadcasting out of, uh, you know, the Plant City Lakeland area. And so this story hits a little home, especially for our Boss Hog radio listeners. This is on policetribune.com. We have a Florida TV reporter, nine-year-old, gunned down by a shooter who returned to earlier crime scene. So I've got about four minutes, but we're in Pine Hills, Florida, a Spectrum, which is like a cable, you know, internet provider, um, Spectrum News reporter and a nine-year-old girl were both killed on Wednesday when a gunman returned to the scene of an earlier crime scene and opened fire yet again. So Spectrum News reporter uh, Dylan Lyons 
had arrived to film a new stand-up in Pine Hills about a shooting that occurred uh, at a spot earlier in the day, about 4 or 5 in the afternoon on February the 22nd, uh, according to the WESH. Police said that 38-year-old Natasha Augustin uh, had been fatally shot there at about 11 o'clock a.m., so um, what, about an hour or so earlier? Witnesses say that Lyons and another Spectrum News reporter had just arrived when the gunman later identified as 19-year-old Kevin Moses approached their vehicle and he opened fires, according to the Associated Press. Lyons and his colleague, they're both shot. So Lyons ends up dying and the other journalists remain hospitalized in critical condition. Uh, after shooting the reporters, Moses then walks to a nearby house, goes inside, open fires, killing a nine-year-old girl, critically wounds her mother, and the murdered little girl has been identified as Tanya Major, according to the WESH. So Moses was already facing murder charges for the death of Augustine and that charges would be filed for the other and charges will be filed for the other four victims soon. The 19 year old gunman had an extensive criminal history that included gun charges, aggravated battery, assault with a deadly weapon, burglary and grand theft. So uh, so, wow, it, it really that story really hit home for the, the community where I'm immediately at right now broadcasting live from. So um, any any comments on that? Just a, Nothing good about that story. Just a horrible story, but I know it goes on around the country. So, um, David, yeah, you know, it, I want more details. This is this is tragically fascinating. Tragically fascinating. You've got a guy that that is an absolute waste to society. Shouldn't be on the street. Period. Uh, shouldn't have been on the street. Period. Um, commits a murder at a location. A girl that he has a argument with or beef with or whatever no details on on the motive there fleas they haven't they they law enforcement in the, in the area is unable to find him yet news reporters show up on the scene to report on the on the crime he shows back up kills a news reporter wounds the, the camera person then walks to a nearby house as you were saying and kills a small a young girl and wounds her mother that's like some sort of textbook psychopathic what, where did that come from? Kind of a thing. Um, I mean, after they give him the death penalty and Ron DeSantis is pulling the, the levers on those now just did the other day. Um, I, yeah, his, his, he needs, his brain needs to be removed and studied there. There's something really bad going on there. Little bugs or something. And I, I'm sure it's gotta be, it's, that's just off the chain. Bizarre. Corporal. Thanks. Uh, Anthony. Well, no, I mean, I just, I think David's, firing all cylinders today. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm like, amen, you know, because he's, he's saying exactly what I would say too. And also with the previous story about the pendulum issue, I mean, this is, it is, it is fascinating because it seems like both the news reporter was random or, you know, just kind of um, com completely just depraved heart type murder. And then the, uh, the little girl, I, I, they said that there's no connection, right. From what they see, there's no connection with this, little girl and her mother he was basically just almost like a home invasion is that kind of like the, the the gist that you got too chip and, and david like they just pretty much almost like random yeah yeah crazy well guys hold that thought look our first commercial break we will continue this in just one moment you know motion dsp they've been supporting the law enforcement industry for over 15 years for the robust suite of video and audio redaction and enhancement software the Motion DSP software is easy to use, requires no specialized training or expertise. You can save valuable time with Spotlight's one-click automated tracking feature and forensic suite of enhancement filters. And you can achieve results quickly in just three steps, import, process, and export. The Spotlight's built specifically for redaction. It works with uh, video from any camera source and using 
Using Motion DSP's algorithms and object tracking technology, it automates the process of blurring faces and other identifiable information, and it saves users countless hours compared to manual frame-by-frame -frame redaction. And forensic enhancement software allows users to quickly process and analyze any video file format using super-resolution algorithms and enhancement filters to reveal an unseen level of detail. Now, you can get forensically valid evidence from low-quality video in just minutes instead of hours. So you can learn more about all these products at motiondsp.com. I highly recommend that you go there today, motiondsp.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Florida. Um, so, guys, any more comments on that last update? And uh, horrible story. We'll, we'll definitely, you know, stay on it with any updates that come down the pike. Uh, but moving along here, we're going to jump over the Rumble. And I think that the, the best channel on Rumble is This Is Butter. You know, I think it's the best law enforcement video channel that exists. And also, look, I understand that a lot of people are listening to us over the radio or through podcasts. So we're going to describe in great detail what's going on with any news story that has a video component so that you don't feel you're missing out on anything. And um, if you guys are watching our show and visually and you're seeing that blue uh, to gold, that legal uh, legal thing behind uh, Anthony Bandiero's uh, picture, we're going to have him talk uh, towards the end of the show a little bit about that when I'm going to mention the wounded blue and we'll have you talk about that, Anthony. But on this particular story, uh, body cam video released in fatal Gulfport police shooting of uh, Joaquin McMillan. So the grand jury, they found no criminal conduct on behalf of the officer involved in this court and this uh, uh, Gulfport police shooting. So we have a 15 year old, Wahim McMillan, is taken off life support on October the 8th, 2022, after being shot by a Gulfport police officer. And according to police, uh, Gulfport police, they received reports of a car with multiple people inside of it. They're waving guns at drivers. So definitely not a good way to start it off. The, uh, the car stopped by an officer at a family dollar store, causing its occupants to flee. So I don't know that this cop stopping caused it, but you know what I'm saying. You know, they, of course, the bad guy's always going to run when the good guys show up. So the officer then engages an armed suspect and leading to shots being fired. Uh, four other teens in the car with McMillan, they're arrested that day on charges of aggravated assault. Now, the first call about the teens came about 2.28 in the afternoon on Thursday, October 6th. And when a driver reported a silver Kia Soul, you know, it's all these Kias and these Hyundais. I'm telling you, we should do criminal history checks and everybody that wants to buy one. Uh, but anyhow, back to story. A silver Kia Soul with a Georgia license plate is driving recklessly. So the caller said the teens of the Kia Soul had the windows rolled down and they began flipping them off. Eventually, both vehicles stopped next to each other at a red light. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that was a, some tense moments. And that's when the caller and his passenger said they saw the right rear passenger in the Kia Soul brandish a firearm. So community members demanded answers. Some protests were being held outside the uh, Gulfport Police Department and the Family Dollar location where. This uh, bad guy, McMillan, was shot. According to the Gulfport Police Chief Adam Cooper, threats had also been made to an officer wrongly accused of shooting the teen in the days after the incident. And from the beginning, family and community leaders have called for the release of any video. Um, and uh, Mississippi Safety Commissioner Sean Tyndall has promised to do that, but only after the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation analysis was complete. So he didn't want to jeopardize the investigation. So just over two months after the shooting, that's exactly what happened. So, um, so 
look, I, I get it why they don't want to release the video and affect the outcome of something, but the community doesn't necessarily get that. And they're going to, you know, they're going to pick it and have these, uh, you know, these demonstrations until they get it. Um, but that said, uh, Ken Afianco, the floor is yours. I watched the video and what I really liked was the officer had zero hesitation to take this guy out who was running with a gun. He ran one way, the bad guy that is, and then he ran the other way. It looked like he was going to go into the store. And the officer took him out right then and there. And it was a great job, justified shooting. I saw no problems with it. And they, they arrested the three other guys later on. By the way, the other guy who got out of the car with the bad guy who was shot, he had a gun too, if you look at the slow motion of the video. So I don't see any issues with, with any of this. It was a, a good, quick decision by the officer and it ended well and glad no officers were hurt. Yes, agreed. Um, the officer that did the shooting at that location uh, was, um, he was, he as, as we say, he, he was in the pocket. Um, he was focused. Um, he saw the threats evolving in front of him and quickly made a decision to end those threats. And we talked about the results of not doing that. And we've seen them on video, uh, especially in California. Um, don't make me talk about the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department again. Um, this is a prime example or that is a prime example as, as to why you do not let someone like that uh, any time to engage a, a, a private citizen, uh, the clerk of the of the dollar store, if he ran inside or customers therein. So as far as that's concerned, the officer did a fantastic job. Now, the only problem I did have, and I'm kind of eh, back and forth and back and forth on it, you've got a carload of suspects, multiple firearms, two officers on scene. The first officer, the, the one that was involved in the shooting at, on scene, stays there in the pocket on target. The second officer gets a little bit of the happy feet and, you know, uh, shiny ball squirrel. And he takes off after the other guy that had a gun and was running. And I understand it for that reason. But you're leaving your wingman, so to speak, alone in a parking lot with multiple offenders. I'm fairly certain that if you look at the dash cam on one of the vehicles, the I think it I think it was the the driver of the car gets out runs around the side of another parked vehicle and I I'm I'm willing to bet he discarded something underneath that car that's what it looked like was it a gun was it dope we don't know um but that situation and the, and again the officer that was left there on scene or that stayed on scene that did the shooting had very good command presence he started giving orders to the other people with the sorry Ken the the effing you get out of the car effing right now get on the effing ground over and over again, um, which was good. I don't, I don't mind that. Uh, but again, one officer, three other combatants, you don't know how many firearms in, are involved. And he lost his wingman in a foot chase, you know, down the side of the building that, that amounted, I, I don't, I don't think the guy caught him. I heard him setting up a perimeter over the radio traffic that I could hear uh, for the other guy. If they caught them all fantastic, everything turned out good on scene, but Gave me a little bit of grief uh, having him leave his guy like that on on that other foot chase. Hey, David, did, Anthony. Did, did, real quick, David, did the guy have two guns or one? Uh, each had one. From what I could tell, one, each, one. each. Okay. The first two that bailed out of the car each had a gun. Had one gun. Yeah, okay, I, I was I was uh, unsure if the video was trying to illustrate that they had two guns, but you no. Know, did you see the gun kind of like 
it flew it, it flew out of his hand and i and i heard the officer uh saying i saw a gun i saw a gun and they couldn't find it underneath him i think it was almost it gave me the impression that the gun was you know in that parking lot but they didn't they didn't see it or something i don't know i just thought that was kind yeah. of they, it, 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 when he shot him initially in front of the doors of the Dollar General, it rolled onto the ground and skidded off to the side, but they, they got everything All right. in. All right, All right cool. thanks, guys. Thank you. Commercial break. We'll be right back. All right, hey, Gauls. And, you know, I feel like I grew up with Gauls. You know, a lot of us uh, career Leos, you know, I came on back in 83, but as far back as I can remember, I remember, uh, you know, Gauls. You know, they are the country's leading uniform clothing equipment and gear provider for law enforcement. And the uniform thing, yes, they are big in the uniform industry, and that's relatively new. They have a variety of offerings from everything from multi-tools and flashlights to uh, to duty boots and to tactical gear. I mean, they've got everything, and pretty pretty much everything, but but firearms and ammunition, you can get at Gauls at Gauls.com slash Leo. So highly recommend that. If you're, if you're a Leo, you already know about Gauls. You're carrying equipment that's either um, from Gauls or that you can get at Gauls. But if you have a family, friend, or loved one that you want to do some cool shopping for, or give them a gift card and stuff, Gauls.com slash Leo. That's the place to go. Highly respected in the law enforcement community and especially their uniform program. Please check them out. Gauls.com slash Leo. Do it today. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show, live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Florida. You know, uh, Corporal David, this topic, uh, I've got my, uh, my in-house, in-studio producer, Jimmy, sitting next to me. And he's trying to work the boards, drink his coffee, and keep from spitting it out all over the place when you crack, when you make these jokes, and and you and you you just you some of the stuff you say is so funny. He's just like I see him like he's like gasping, he's trying like to swallow and keep it in his mouth and stuff without like spraying the boards. It's like he he can hardly stand himself. So anyhow, keep doing what you're doing, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna lose it before the show's over. I can I can tell, but uh, I'll do, but go I'll ahead, do my I'll do here. my best. No, I'll do my best. Spear, a little, little debate on the death penalty in, in the comments going on. Love you, Bo. That I mean, fantastic idea on the forty-eight hour thing. Good luck. But <laughs> yeah, you know, we are streaming to eight locations right now, and uh, and that's alive. Of course, uh, producer Will takes this uh, this live show, and the next day puts it out on social media by about nine o'clock in the morning on YouTube, and we put it on Rumble, um, and it, it's been edited at that point. But the live show is streamed to a bunch of locations, so we've got a, a, a big band club, including the uh, Red Voice Media guys that are on here conversing with us during the live show. And so, yes, we do have a, a capital punishment debate going on. I think Sergeant George and Bo kind of started it off, So, and, and Bo's saying they're on the same side of this, but Bo wants what? He wants it to be the execution to happen within, what, 48 hours? <laughs> and like, there's yeah. the appeal process. <laughs> 48 hours after the conviction. <laughs> Let's <laughs> take him down to the basement, one behind the ear. Is that what it was, Bo? That was oh, oh. wow. <laughs> so uh, have we if we've exhausted the last the last topic that had a video component, we'll move on to our next one then. And uh, so moving right along here, our next story, uh, it is on actually police one. There is a video component. So again, radio podcast li- listeners will describe in great detail what's going on. So it says a bystander pins down a drunk driver fleeing a crash scene that killed a Texas police officer. Somebody, you kill somebody. Stay right there. You stay right there. You see what you did?
Um, look, it's a uh, it's a, a short video, uh, but it's just it's just a reminder of what goes on. And then you you got to love these citizens that get involved sometimes. So we're in Lake Worth, Texas. So on November the twenty seventh, this is twenty twenty one. Bartender Kayla Richardson, it, from the video, it looks like a female served eight double vodka cocktails to Dylan Molina in less than three hours at Fuzzy's Taco Shop in Lake Worth, according to police. So Richardson, he's 26 years old of Samson Park. He ignores signs that Molina, or I'm sorry, she ignores signs that Molina was intoxicated and she did not keep him from leaving and driving away. And that's what police said in the uh, in a uh, video that was released. So Molina later crashes his car into the car of Euless police detective Alex uh, Cervantes kills him and severely injures his wife and two children, according to an arrest warrant affidavit. Um, so Richardson surrendered to authorities, the bartender, in uh, Parker County earlier this month after a warrant was issued for her in the 2021 case. She's charged with one count of sale to uh, certain persons, a Class A misdemeanor punishable by up to a year in jail, including, including a $4,000 fine. So Molina was indicted on February uh, of 2022, pled guilty in January to intoxication manslaughter and three counts of intoxication assault and it kind of goes on to say that um he was sentenced to 15 years on the manslaughter charge and 10 years on each of the assaults the sentences are being uh served concurrently but you know in this video component for this molina he starts his 2021 jeep wrangler at 1 30 in the afternoon he leaves a taco shop so he's already been drinking in lake worth and then he runs a red light hits a 2013 chevy impala and he kills the Euless detective, and he injures the family. Then he, he starts, you see him. I mean, and this dude, he, he's he got what I call slow twitch muscle fibers. So his fast speed running is like slow motion, right? So he's running from the scene. You see his face. He all of a sudden looks around. He says, dude, I'm freaking booking it. You know, so he just starts hauling butt, but it's like he's like in tortoise mode, right? He's like in slow motion. And then you see this witness say, hey, hey, where are you going? Where are you going? So the witness starts running after him and tackles him and gets him on the ground and gets just a pretty decent three-point pin for a civilian. I, I was pretty impressed and holds him there for authorities and stuff. So uh, um, that's the only good thing that came out of this bad, horrific story where we've got, you know, a cop killed and family injured. Uh, Corporal David. Yeah, not not that it – the story wasn't about the fact that he was a, a police officer. I'm not sure if that was his duty car or – Detective Eagle had his family in the car. This is this is anybody driving down the road. It could it could have been any family that this that this uh, crap bag um, killed. And the civilian that sees the guy jogging off goes, "Whoa, wait a minute!" and chases him down. And and the guy falls. He tackles and gets on top of him. And you could see the citizen was. I mean, he was po. He was just upset. I I just gee, I just hope he doesn't get in trouble for having his knee on his back. That would be horrible stupidity. Um, but yeah, good cops. job on the citizen. Yeah. <laughs> Only cops get in trouble for that. Um, you know, one thing this is called, I, I think Ken will correct me if I'm wrong, but the, this law that she, this, this idea that the, the, the bartender is, is liable to some degree criminally, and maybe the, um, the, the taco shop too, civilly is called dram shop laws. Um, is that right, Ken? Isn't it dram shop laws? It is, but Florida does not have a criminal component of the Dram Shop Act. They have a civil component, but not a criminal. Yep. So the worst that she could face in Florida would be a civil lawsuit. We, we now, wouldn't I, be able I go, to arrest her. Right. Now, I personally, my, my, my personal legal philosophy is a little against passing the buck to other people for their, for their crimes and misdeeds. Um, but I got to tell you, like, if there's any poster child type of case for having a Dram Shop type of liability, it's this case. I mean, um, eight double vodka drinks in three hours. 
is absolutely uh, absurd. That's it, absolutely absurd. Especially when you look at the video about how um, dysfunctional he was uh, physically. You know, Ken, what you got? I was going to say it's refreshing to me to see someone actually do something rather than pull out a cell phone and start videoing it and just sit there like a bump on the log. I mean, this yeah, guy Ken, did a great job of <laughs> tackling this guy and holding him there. But I, I get disgusted with people that see people getting beat up and attacked and all they do is pull their cell phone out. It, it, it yeah, just makes absolutely. me sick. But yeah. anyway, that's my comment. Yeah, I, was, yeah, I like that guy. Kind of, I was waiting for people to come. I mean, this was a solo citizen. I didn't see anybody else coming to help him out. I mean, he's got this guy on the ground, but, and it looked like he was taking care of business, but every, I mean, I know there were guys trying to roll the car over. I know that our, our citizen that's, 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 that's holding the, the bad guy down, assumed that someone had died in the car crash because that's what he kept saying. But he was, he, thank God he was able to take care of business on his own because I didn't see anybody else helping him out, but maybe they were preoccupied with trying to save the people in the car. That could be it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. What what Tony said, he, he, you know, the guys on the ground, you can hear you can hear the intent or the the uh, commitment in his voice to hold the guy there. You ain't going anywhere. And I'm just just like every time uh, other cops, I'd have somebody on the ground taking care of business. They go, no, nah, Dave's got it. No, no need to assist there and go off and do something else. And, and that's the way it should be, which is fine. The guy did a good job, a great citizen uh, looking yeah. out for his community. It, that's the way it should be. Absolutely. Very absolutely. absolutely. So um, on lawofficer.com, there's a, I thought I would just give a little credit here. It says, uh, watch Heroes Behind the Badge. So Citizens Behind the Badge, it's proud to be offering a free viewing of a documentary film called Heroes Behind the Badge. It recounts the heroic stories of law enforcement officers who were caught in the line of fire and survived and those who made the ultimate sacrifice. They talk about it being an inspiring film produced by CBB board member, retired Miami-Dade police officer or police lieutenant Bill uh, Erferth. And uh, so, anyhow, we'll have some information about that um, in the links that producer Will will put in tomorrow. But it's called Heroes Behind the Badge in case someone wants to uh, to look on search engines and, and find more information about that. So, um, so unless someone's got some inside information on that film or maybe you guys, one of you guys were featured on the film or something, I'll move on to the next one here then. I've only got a, uh, a couple minutes left, so I'll probably shy away from doing the, uh, the main topic uh, about toxic police departments and probably jump into uh, the uh, police one, Arkansas police officer involved in filmed arrests back on the job. So, so yeah, we're in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. So this Arkansas police officer who held a man down while two others beat him during an arrest recorded on video, he's back on the job after he did not face any criminal charges. So Mulberry police officer Theo Riddle was reinstated, returned to work on Friday. Chief Shannon Gregory confirmed this on Tuesday. The decision came after a state prosecutor last week said that she would not be charging him and a federal grand jury declined to indict him. A bystander used a cell phone that recorded Riddle and two uh, former, notice I said former Crawford County Sheriff's deputies during the August 21st arrest of Randall Worcester in a small town of Mulberry, it's about 140 miles northwest of Little Rock, and it's near the Oklahoma border. So a federal grand jury last month charged King and White with civil rights violations. The video shows one of the deputies repeatedly punching and kneeing um, uh, Worcester in the head before grabbing his hair, slamming him against the pavement. The other kneed him repeatedly. Uh, the grand jury did not charge Riddle, though, who's been with the Mulberry Police Department since 2017. And the special prosecutor, Emily White, 
said that the investigation against the former deputy Zach King and deputy Levi White, it remained open. Just in a minute, but uh, any uh, any surprising things with this one, guys? David? Uh, not surprising. I'm just glad to see that if they're going to do it, you, you, you charge appropriately. That, that's all. We've talked about it before. Just charge appropriately. Yeah. And, and there, there is a video component for this as well. So we'll actually have a link to that. You know, when we put the story together, the the uh, produced version, uh, when we do that tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, this is the we, we tell it like it is, whether it's good or bad for law enforcement. We try to to uh, not be slanted, but they tell it from both sides. So guys, it's time for another commercial break. But we'll be right back. You know, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. Gunlearn.com. They've taken the confusion out of learning and they've made it easy. Gunlearn.com is the first and only company that offer a step-by-step program where they take you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist. And I believe attorney Ken Afianco has uh, been certified by their course. They provide citations from federal law and AATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy. And their training is approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leos need to know, law enforcement officers, about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. Now, you can start today with online training, or you can register to attend a live seminar. You can also get free training for yourself and the personnel at your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. To come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledge people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show, live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Florida. Um, so have we uh, have we exhausted the last one? And if we have, I will jump on to a main topic here, guys. This is interesting. Just, just a guy named Nicholas. I'm, oh. I'm sorry, Anthony, go ahead. Just real quick. I mean, on the last story, we did talk about that. He was not charged criminally. But don't forget that the duty to intervene portion of this is a civil issue. Much lower standard preponderance of the evidence. So if a cop did see something that was clearly violating somebody's rights, he would have to make a reasonable effort to intervene. I just want to make sure we bring that part up because that, that part is unresolved with that story. Okay, excellent. Thanks for bringing that up. So guys, uh, moving along, let's jump to police one. And uh, this is uh, Nicholas Greco that wrote this article. It says, what I see in you surviving a toxic police department. So yeah, so we're pretty much addressing this one to uh, cops that are working at an agency that is is toxic. Look, uh, I can tell you from 30 years in law enforcement and David, David's been there too. Um, and actually, um, I think, I, I think everybody, uh, Anthony, uh, you're a cop, uh, Ken, you're still certified. So I, and I'm talking about certified law enforcement, not certified in the other, in the other way, in the other sense. Okay. Just so I want to make that clarification for radio listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anthony's providing visual aids for us, you know, uh, but look, there are, there are toxic elements to probably every workforce, but especially in police work, you have toxic supervisors. So it pretty much is giving you advice on, um, on how they handle that. And look, we've covered some of these same things. So I'm not going to go through everything, but it does talk about that. Many of us uh, have experience with toxic police departments. And it talks about those with leaders who talk a big game about work-life balance yet require mandatory overtime, cancel days off, institute punitive police uh, or punitive policies against officers. The worst is when departments treat their officers as liabilities rather than assets. And then they wonder why these officers lateral out or simply walk away from policing entirely. You cannot control how your agency is run. Uh, what you can control is how much you let those things get to you. And while healthy habits like good sleep, nutrition, exercise, they 
are highly recommended and quite beneficial. Uh, they are no, there's no cure-all for the constant onslaught of stress and trauma that you face on a daily basis. And I know before the show, Dave and I were talking about some stuff that I went through. So if your department is toxic, sometimes the only solution is to move on. And the author says, yeah, I said it. But not every department is a good fit, and not every department has the best interest of its officers at heart. Sadly, some agencies have leaders who play the political blame game, throwing officers under the bus time and again. But if you can't make the move out of the department due to vested time, you know, you got too much time, you're too close to retirement, whatever, due to money issues, location, and so on, you still have options. So he just goes on to talk about find a listening ear, someone to talk to, reaching out, reaching in, talks about you know, avoiding things like uh, PTSD or suicide, stuff like that. But there are other options that you have. Uh, but David said more than once on this show, if you're like in Washington State or California, um, maybe even Oregon uh, or, or some of these other states like, you know, New York or whatever, that you may want to consider making that move and going to an agency where you're going to feel the love, you know, or at least a state where you're going to feel the love. Uh, we've got about six minutes left, guys. Any, uh, any comments on these articles? Uh, um, uh, Ken, why don't you start us off on this? Sure. I could tell you from my perspective, at least in Pinellas County, the trend probably in the last maybe four to five years is that agencies are doing a lot more command level investigations rather than tournament internal affairs. And command level obviously doesn't result in termination and hardly ever results in days off, at least with the agencies I represent. And I notice, and I think it's because they can't afford to lose anybody. They can't afford to bring people in. They're shorthanded. They're paying a bunch of overtime for officers. It's getting old. People are getting tired of it. So they don't want to fire anybody. They don't want to give days off. So I've noticed that trend, like I said, in the last four or five years. And, and again, hopefully that'll continue because it's less work for me, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I, having worked in Tampa, agency of, of over 1,000, and then, and then Pasco County Sheriff's Office, where the, at the time, I think, it was just over 400. Um, and at the time that I went there, unfortunately, Pasco County, we, it was kind of looked at as, as a farm team for Tampa. Anybody that had any real talent uh, got the academy, got a little experience and applied and would go south back to, 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 the, to, the, to the city. More money, better benefits, all that sort of stuff. And they would come to me and, you know, on the, on the QT and listen, you know, David, can you tell me? Tell me what it's like. What, what's Tampa really like? You think I can do it, so on and so forth. And my answer to them was, listen, I don't care where you go. Now, there are exceptions now, like you talked about, Chip. Some of the agencies out west, uh, liberal places where they're just hunting cops. And some small agencies, I think, have more, more problems like this than others. But that being said, my, my response to them is, is, listen, everything is relative. Pasco is it was an agency of like I said just over 400. If five percent of the people at that agency you didn't want to be anywhere near were absolute idiots, whether they were supervisors or just deputies, that was five percent of 400. You go to Tampa, it's still five percent or ten percent, whatever that percentage is. It's still that same number. There seems to be more of them because five percent of a thousand is more than five percent of 400. So it's all relative. The work is the same. There might be a little bit more volume of one type of work versus the other, but but the volume, the, the work, the workload is generally the same. I've always told everyone, it's not where you work, it's who you work for. You can work in, in the worst 
uh, zone in the city of Tampa, the absolute worst, the, the, the belly of the beast projects, pick one. And as long as you have a good supervisor or a good, a, a good supervisor, supervisors above you that understood and that worked with you and, and you could do your job and all that kind of stuff, it was all good, always. So a lot of truth to that. Uh, but again, from agency to agency, under most circumstances, it's, it's, it's all relative. I know, Anthony, your mic's open, but David, uh, you said Pasco was 400, which surprised me hearing that. Does that include the jail deputies, too? Or is that no, just it's sworn personnel on the road? Okay. Yeah, it was just, I think it was just over 400, I think, pretty certain. I, I don't think that included the jail, but I, I, I didn't pay enough attention to enough attention to care that much uh, at the time, but yeah. All right. Well, Anthony, love to get your thoughts. Yeah, look, I, I also um, I think Ken made a, a, a good point too about how agencies are kind of realizing that if they just only focus on discipline and, and IA complaints that they're actually going to, you know, decrease morale to the point where people just like, hey, look, I'll just go somewhere else or become a realtor um, or try to pass that firefighter exam. But one thing that I find a lot of some of my clients and, I, you know, I'm a teaching guy, right? So I'm an instructor um, is that they are calling me up more and more lately. And it's actually a, a dramatic increase. And Anthony, we have this guy, he came into IA. This is the complaint he did. We, you know, do you think he violated the constitution, the fourth amendment? And I say, yes. And they're like, we believe that this is a training issue, that the cop did it in good faith, even though it was a violation. We're going to move it out of IA. We're going to give it to you. You're going to meet with this officer and do one-on-one training. And I got to tell you, what a huge morale boost to sit down with a guy like me and say, hey, look, you know, I've been there. I made these same mistakes. You know, I didn't have a camera in my day, <laughs> so I didn't get caught as much. But the point is, is like, let's you didn't do it in bad faith. Let's this is what the law is going forward. And huge and and I, I think those officers really appreciate their agency when they when they when they have that kind of mentality that good faith mistakes shouldn't be like days on the beach and, and Aunt Tony's exactly right that was the way that it was in Pasco for, for for many years which prompted a lot of those exoduses people leaving to go to up to another agency and but that but they've learned they've changed they've evolved and made things a lot better up there from from what the people that I still have contact with are telling me uh, Sheriff Nako is doing a fantastic job. Now there's 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 bright lines, but he but they're doing a lot better with that exact issue that Anthony's talking about. Interesting, interesting. So uh, which it, which has slowed down the exodus along with pay increases and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's a very much improving agency over the years. Yeah, well, I've always thought you know when I first came on that was back in '83. The sheriff's offices had all the cool cool gear, all the cool equipment. They had the money, the funding compared to the PDs. Now we've gone back and forth over the years and stuff. And, uh, but it's, uh, and David's the only guy on the show that I'm aware of that's worked. I mean, you retired from both the city PD and from a, a sheriff's office. So, um, but, uh, but thanks guys. We are uh, running, we're winding the show down. So thank you very much for participating. You know, on a, on a, on another note, I do want to just mention the wounded blue and, and uh, Anthony, I want you to open up your mic for a second, but the wounded blue, the wounded blue.org, uh, Lieutenant Randy Sutton's uh, charity, I uh, highly recommend that you give them a, a look into their, it's a great charity that won't embarrass you. Um, Anthony, Blue the Gold, can you tell us briefly about that for 30 seconds and give me 15 seconds? Uh, just to real close quick, uh, Blue to Gold, uh, Blue to Gold.com is the, 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 the nation's largest law enforcement legal trainers in the sense that that's all we do. Um, my expertise is search and seizure, the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, um, but we have other instructors that do use of the force and so forth. All of our instructors are prior law enforcement turned attorneys. I have one guy that was attorney, 
turned cop, now retired and works for us. But anyway, that's what we do. So bluetogold.com. Perfect. Hey, thank you. Hey, MVS, thanks for the support. Just saw that you uh, made a donation there. Motion DSP, GullsGunLearn.com, MyMedicare.Live, Bang Energy. Thank you guys so much. Hey, Ray Dietrich and Red Voice Media, thank you so much. Hope everyone has a wonderful and a safe week.